certainly hope you're in a place right now in life where you are not just surviving, but thriving, where you are truly, to use a very overused phrase, living your best life. But the reality is many of us are not there. Some of us are in jobs we feel stuck in. Some of us are in relationships we feel stuck in. Some of us are in cities we feel stuck in, and some of us are stuck in all of the above, and then some. Well, friends, I've got the book for you. In just under 250 concise pages, Becky Vollmer's You Are Not Stuck, How Soul-Guided Choices Transform Fear into Freedom provides a roadmap to level up in life, and I'm excited for you to hear us talk about it today. Just like in my chat earlier this year with Mike Rucker about having more fun, Becky gives us a takeaway tip to use today to start getting unstuck. We just need to put fear in the backseat and let courage drive the car. Simply put, Becky is awesome. She is a speaker, a yoga teacher, and the creator of You Are Not Stuck, which is not just a book, but a movement that empowers people to pursue the lives they most deeply desire. She guides a global community on social media that is several hundred thousand strong, teaches online courses about empowerment and choice, and leads sold out programs that combine movement, breathwork, self-exploration, and action planning at yoga and wellness centers across the country. She is a former newspaper journalist and writes on topics including personal growth, relationships, mental health and wellness, mindfulness, meditation, and spirituality. She also is a leading voice in the sobriety and recovery community. You are going to love this talk. Take a listen. Becky, I am so thrilled you are here today. Welcome to the show. I cannot wait to dive into this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm ready to dive. Let's do it. Here we go. Two Midwestern girls. We discovered this offline. Two Midwestern girls unite. Let's have a meaningful conversation because this book really met me. I say this a lot on the show, but books continue to meet me at the right time in my life. And this is a prime example of that. I told you offline a moment ago, the book is so quotable. There's a pearl of wisdom or 10 on every page, but I want to start our conversation today with this one. And it's at the beginning of the book. And it says, we all have choices. We just have to be brave enough to make them. So why do we get in our own way so much? I, I'm thinking right now of that Eagle song, Already Gone, the lyric so oftentimes it happens that we live our lives in chains. And this makes me want to cry, actually. And we never even know we have the key. We have the key. So why do we get in our own way so much? Oh, my gosh. That is the, that is the richest question you could probably ask. Um, and the answer is not necessarily a short one. I've got a short one and I've got a long one. You think I mean, we're here for the long haul. Do, the, do your thing. <laughs> well, the short answer is that, I, you know, I think we get this sensation of feeling stuck when we recognize that the life we're living is not the life that we want, whether, you know, whether it's one piece of it, multiple pieces of it. Um, it's, it's just that sense of, uh, disparity, that sense of dissonance that, um, the, the way we spend our days, the way we spend our lives is not, either how we envisioned, or maybe it is how we envisioned at one point, but it's no longer aligned with the way we want to live our life now. 
-hmm. You know how to get unstuck because you were once stuck yourself. You were working at a public relations firm. You were fried. Um, We've all been there. So many of us have been there. And you write in the book, other people liked me and my work, but I didn't like the person I had become. So tell us how you got stuck. If that's even a question, how, like, how does one get stuck? You just kind of do over time, but how you got stuck and how you began to work your way out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I love, I love that you said I was once stuck. I'll be honest. I've been stuck many times, multiple times. I found that life is sort of a series of, um, getting a little bit sticky, becoming a little more free getting a little bit sticky, becoming a little more free because, Mm -hmm. uh, it has to do with how dialed in we are to our own wants and needs and perspectives and values. And sometimes we're, we're very attuned to that. And sometimes we get really far away. And I think it's those, those far away times when we're really just on autopilot is where we start to feel the most stuck when we're just going and doing on repeat without even paying attention to how we feel about it Mm -hmm. or what we may need in a given moment, especially if those needs are different than the needs we've been operating on up until then. Mm -hmm. So for me, the, the, the first part of, of the journey of getting unstuck is to get really honest about what's not working. I find Mm -hmm. that there's so much um, beautiful evidence in contrast. So we always start looking toward, but I want something different. I want, uh, you know, I I have this vision of this life that I want, but rarely do we stop and think about what really specifically isn't working and why. And so when we study that contrast, it leads us naturally to what we do want, which gives us more clarity about where we can go. But I feel like we've just got to take the time to, first of all, recognize that we're on autopilot. Mm -hmm. And secondly, give ourselves the permission to get off. I'm very fond of telling people that no matter, it doesn't matter how long you've been walking one particular path. It is never, ever too late to just stop and look around and decide if maybe I want to go left. Maybe I want to go right. Maybe I want to do a complete 180 and go back the other way. Those are all fine choices. Mm -hmm. So long as we make them from our soul rather than the voice of our fear. When we're going to talk about, trust me, we're going to talk about fear in just a second, but so, so much there, but I think so often we just get, you know, the days are long, but the years are short. Right. And so we just get as you said, on autopilot, just going through the motions, going through the routines of our day. And then like just happened to me a couple of weeks ago, I woke up and I said, it's December 31st today. Where did 2022 go? And as someone who's in the midst of making some big life changes of my own, I was talking to someone about this the other day. It's very difficult maybe not for everyone, but at least for me to simultaneously just survive and tackle the day-to-day of my own life while also simultaneously radically trying to change 
my life too. And so, I mean, some of this stuff, like the, the dissonance between the life we have and the life we want can feel like Mount Everest, you know, it can feel like, and that's why this, again, this book came at the perfect time is because, you know, I'm looking to make some pretty significant changes and honestly, just getting through Monday to Friday is, is enough right now, let alone completely changing my life. So this book really breaks it down granularly and it's going to be a huge helpmate to me because I know that it can seem overwhelming. And so at least if you're me, you just say, well, I'll do that next week or I'll do that next month. When when life, this is my classic line. When life slows down, I'll take care of that. And then life never slows down. And I want to stay in what I'm calling your stuck season for your sticky season for a minute. I want to quote you again from this season. You write the thrill of ambitious overachieving turned into the heavy weight of overwhelming responsibility and alcohol was the only way I knew how to turn off the chaos in my brain. So alcohol was yours. Food was mine. I'm working on that. But, um, and everybody has their something, right? And then I, I want to continue quoting you from this season. The problem was that I was living a life that looked good on the outside, but felt horrible on the inside. The problem was that I was on autopilot, stuck in outdated priorities that weren't mine. The problem was that I ignored my own needs and desires and instead set unrealistic expectations, projected my perfectionism onto other people. Uh, This is hitting home and offered very little in terms of patience or forgiveness. I wanted freedom, but I felt like I was in prison. The tension in my life always built, but never released. And as a result, I became a pressure cooker. And one more quotable from you. I'm telling you, like, as I told you before we started recording, everything was highlighted in this book. Um, And finally, then I realized when you're not quite dead, you're not quite alive either. So in that season for you, what was your breaking point to get unstuck? And what was that very first step? Wow. Well, I have to... I have to say, first of all, on the one hand, I'm really gratified that you can read that section and see yourself in it. Oh, all over it. Absolutely. And, and I know others will as well. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm especially the part about projecting perfectionism onto others, living a life that looks great, but it, maybe it doesn't feel great all the time. And yeah, I mean, every, almost every word of that is so it, it, yes, I connected with it deeply. Yeah. And at the same time, I hate that you connected with it so deeply. Like mm-hmm. I hate that that is the experience of so many women today that everybody mm-hmm. can just sort of nod their head and be like, yep, yep. You know, well, I, I don't even have children yet. And so, you know, it's easy. It's much easier for me to make change, radical changes. Right. But when I have, when so many other women have, and men as well have little ones, it's not, your life is not just about you anymore. And so it's even easier to get stuck in that situation, I think, because you can't just move across the country or, you know, radically change jobs. Cause it's just, you know, I mean, if I, if I wanted to move across the country, I could do that. It would take some work, but you know, I don't have anybody depending on me. And so, yeah, I mean, I absolutely resonated with the, with the whole book, not just those passages. It was difficult to choose passages to include in here, but <laughs> I just want to know maybe 
what your breaking point was and what was that first step off the floor to get back to your best self? I don't know that there was one breaking point. Mm -hmm. I think there were multiple breaking points that just like one would, one was like a baseball bat to the shin. And then the next one was a baseball bat to the knee. And the next one was like, you know, a baseball bat to the pelvis. And I was just getting chopped down uh, from where my feet stood on the ground. And it was honestly, it was a series of years, you know, it was having endured as so many of us do endured so many I don't even want to say small injustices. I mean, big injustices, but not taking action because I didn't know what else to do instead. And there probably not the breaking down moment, but the breakthrough moment was when a girlfriend uh, gave me the most beautiful and simple and profound bit of wisdom that I didn't have before then. So, you know, for me, the, the impetus to leave my job, I had looked for so many other ways to make the square peg fit in the round hole. You know, I, I worked in public relations, as you mentioned, but uh, I tried to like whittle back the job. Maybe I could just work. uh, I I moved to a part-time schedule, right? Um, I had, I had arranged my my work schedule so that I could do four 10 hour days, a 40 hour work week. And then, mm-hmm. you know, technically have Fridays off as long as that was invisible to my clients and my colleagues. Is right? that part-time? That sounds very full-time to me Four ten 10 hour days. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> that, okay. that was part-time. That's its, own, then. that's its own issue, but yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> that's its own issue. And you know, now that was also 15 years ago that I did that. So hopefully Hopefully the corporate world has evolved a little bit as the rest of us. I don't think so. But I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think so. So I tried to whittle back. I thought, oh, maybe I can just work for one client. Oh, maybe I could work for HR as if I know the first thing about working for HR. But I had this moment where I was really in at a low point feeling very desperate. And a girlfriend that I worked with, who she's about 10 years my junior, also didn't have kids at the time and said, she said to me, you know, if you don't like what you're doing, why don't you do something different? And if you don't like that, do Mm -hmm. something different again. Mm -hmm. She said, you're smart, you're marketable, you'll figure it out. And I swear to you, I was knocked over by that bit of permission that she gave me. That's what she gave me was permission. And that was something that prior to that, I didn't have. Here I was, I was almost 40 years old. I was uh, counseling C-suite executives at Fortune 500 companies. I ran a multi-million dollar piece of business. You know, I was was really going places, right? And I didn't recognize that I could stop and do something different. Like mind blown. It's the simplest permissions from someone outside ourselves sometimes that change our lives. Like I remember I had moved to a different city for a romantic relationship that did not work out. I was in a job that I was not happy with. Obviously the relationship had ended. I didn't want to be there anymore. I wanted to move back to 
the place I had just left, which is where I currently live, which is Birmingham. And, but I felt stuck. And a friend said to me, she said, you don't have to stay anywhere that you're not valued. And that one sentence gave me the permission slip. And I was home in Birmingham, maybe a month later. And it's just always the simplest advice. Again, like this is rhetorical. I'm not actually asking this, but why can't we just give ourselves that permission, you know? And like, why do we have to depend on external forces to do that? I'm so glad she was there for you in that moment. And I'm glad my friend was there for me in that moment because our lives changed for the better because of that. And I think, you know, your book is a bit of a permission slip to go out there and live our best lives too. And well, that's my hope. That, that was yeah. absolutely my hope. That's really the whole premise of it is to give, to offer other people that permission to take their lives into their own hands. And I don't want to say completely reject the opinions of other people. And I put that in air quotes, you know, capital O, capital P, other yeah. people. Yeah. You know, yeah. but a little bit just kind of reject all of the opinions of other people mm-hmm. and listen to what the voice of our deepest part has to say. And I I want to sh- I know that sounds really heavy, right? Like tune into your soul and you'll be able to make these big giant decisions. But sometimes it doesn't have to always be that complicated. I'll give right. you an example from something that happened in um in a, at a retreat that I was just leading, uh, last week, this was to me, the greatest example of somebody not being on autopilot and listening to herself. I was about about a half an hour into the opening day of the program that I was presenting. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden this woman, she was, she's one of about 75 people in the room and she just stands up and she starts packing up her stuff. And I jokingly call out and I'm like, was it something I said? And everybody giggled and, and she just stood up and she said, no, but I just realized I'm in the wrong place. I'm not supposed to be here. And so she just packed up her stuff and said, thanks so much. And she started to leave. And as I watched her go, I just, I I said to the group, you guys, she is my superhero because she was paying attention. She recognized she wasn't in the wrong place. And then just was like, (laughs) bye-bye. And if we could And that's so simple. She's leaving a seminar, but like, we can do all that for like, if we're in the wrong marriage or if we're in the wrong job or if we're in the wrong city, like we can say, I'm just not in the right place. Bye. And I know know we're simplifying that massively, but really at the end of the day, we can do that. We have that power. And you know, you, you write in the book, I wrote this book to help anyone who feels trapped or choiceless become empowered to go after the life they most deeply desire. So, okay. I've got a lot of people listening, I'm sure that are in this place. I mean, I, I think probably more people are listening that are in this place that are not in this place. I would, I would venture to guess in some way, it doesn't have to be an entire life shift, but whether it's a job, I mean, I just know this from my focus group of my own friends and family that almost everybody has something in their life that they feel stuck in. So what is one takeaway other than buying your book, which my listeners, you should absolutely (laughs) do that. Um, But a takeaway, like I always like, if I can to leave, um, we had an episode just come out about having more fun this year. And so Mm -hmm. I always like to leave listeners with just one takeaway they can start today, even before they pre or not even pre-order your books out, but order the book and 
start reading? What is one thing that they can do today to begin the process of getting unstuck? It's to be able to answer at any time these two questions. First, mm -hmm. how do you feel? And second, what do you need? Just mm -hmm. to, get, to develop the practice of just asking those questions. How do I feel? What do I need? And then over time, developing the courage to act on that. And, you know, I do touch on fear a lot in the book. There's, there's a yes, whole chapter yeah. devoted to fear. And I bring that up because action is the antidote to fear, right? The opposite of fear isn't just courage. The opposite of fear is choice. Mm -hmm. And so when we can make choices based on how we feel and what we need, we are that much farther along the path to getting unstuck. And even if we start small, how do you feel? I feel exhausted. What do you need? I need an hour in my bed with some soft music. And then to actually give yourself that, that time, that space, that rest, that, that recharging, you know, in another day, how do you feel? I feel really sad. What do you need? I need to tell somebody that I feel really sad. And then to actually pick up the phone and make a, a call to a trusted confidant to say, mm -hmm. you know, I've been betrayed. I've been, um, I've been disregarded. I've been let down. And I just want, I just want to say it and put it out there. So I don't carry it around with me. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many small ways that we can, that we can practice these things. So you have a nine step process to getting unstuck. We won't go through each one, but step two is articulating clearly, perhaps for the first time, what it is you don't want. So that's interesting because we often think about what do we want and, and your book goes over that as well. But what we don't want is, is important as well. And we all know by now what a North star is, but your book introduced me to a South star. So that encapsulates this process. So what is a South star? That's a great question. And I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, I may have introduced you to that term, but I first heard that term from Rob Bell, uh, who does oh, the podcast. Rob Bell, yeah. the mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, he's great. And, you know, a South Star is a fascinating concept to me because I've seen them. I've, I've seen them at every stage of my life, looking at um, somebody's behavior or looking at um, a, 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 a lifestyle that didn't resonate with me. And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. When I was kind of making my way up the corporate ladder, just kind of rising through the ranks year after mm -hmm. year after year, at one point I, you know, that was all I wanted, right? I just wanted that upward mobility. I wanted, I, I was so ambitious that I just wanted that kind of success that came with more status, a better title, bigger salary, you name it. But at some point I realized that all of the people who were standing a few rungs above me on that on that so-called ladder, none of them looked any happier than yeah. I felt. Yeah. In fact, they all looked more haggard and more stretched and more overwhelmed and more 
miserable. And yeah, that yeah. to me became a pretty clear South star that pointed to something I didn't want. I wanted instead more peace, more time, more slowness, more, uh, more space to, to just be and reflect and live as opposed to being so caught up in the, you know, the, the culture of productivity and ambition. Mm. So that was a very clear South star to me. And it was a great it, example. Yeah. It gave me, um, you know, it gave me fuel to be able to articulate, you know, with real words, with some granularity, what wasn't working as opposed to just saying, you know, blanket statement, well, this just isn't working and I'm just not happy. I was able to get really concrete about it and then create the path forward. I had a similar kind of, um, South star with, um, you know, a person, one of the people that I love most in the world, which is my late father. Yeah. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic and his dad before him was an alcoholic and his father before him. But watching my dad all those years gave me a sense of South star, you know, something yeah. that I wanted to change for my own life. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it took me quite a while. It took me a long time to get there, but eventually a life free of alcohol became my North star. And, you know, there was quite a lot that went into the choice and then making sure that choice stuck. But I'm happy to say that I'm, I'm nine years sober. And congratulations. So, That's huge. That is huge. Thanks. It just, it illustrates that, you know, kind of from that one place of what don't I want, what isn't working eventually with time, you can look you can look at the journey and the trajectory and see, wow, I really was able to make a big change just from that one gleaning. That's amazing. That And that's huge. I mean, to break a generational pattern like that should be celebrated and rewarded and, and recognized. And it definitely is here. So we've danced around the fear question for our whole conversation. We're going to talk about fear because I've, I try not to do this anymore, but I've certainly let fear hold me back in the past. We know by now in this conversation, listeners know that getting unstuck is possible. You've done it. I've done it in a lot of areas of my life as well. You write, there are millions of people out there who have found that freedom, that freedom and fulfillment created it. Just glance around and you'll see folks who were brave enough to make the changes they needed to build the life they longed for. But oftentimes, so many of us get lost in a place of fear or anxiety. And again, quoting you, we all have choices. And when we make them from a place of inner wisdom, rather than fear, we create something powerful and true. So how can we get out of a fear-based mindset, which locks us in so many times? Mm -hmm. I think the first step is to recognize that fear really is a nasty son of a bitch. I mean, totally. fear is every four letter word that you want to throw at it. That is fear. I mean, fear is uh, something that plays so dirty with us, but we don't even always realize it. And I think you're probably as familiar with con this concept as I am. Fear is often brought to life by that real nasty voice in our head, right? The one that's mm -hmm. just blah, 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 all yeah. the time inside your head, telling you what, 
what a loser you are, telling you that you, you don't measure up, telling you that you're not good enough or smart enough or worthy enough, or, you know, my favorite, who do you think you are? Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a classic. Yep. Who do you think yeah. you are? <laughs> over yeah. and over again, over all and time. over again. And it's, you know, the, here's the thing. It's all of us. I just think we don't all cop to it. We yeah. don't all admit to just how completely awful that voice in our head is. And it, I, I was very honored that in the book, there were some, some folks who had done an online, they participated in my online class one year. And I asked them all if I could capture some verbatims from them about what the, you know, the voice in their head has to say. Mm -hmm. And I was honored to include them in the book, just to give people a glimpse that it's not just you. It's all of us. We are it's all, all of us. It's universal. It's all absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the voice is nastier and nastier by degrees, depending on, um, our upbringing, our conditioning, what kind of outside voices have been feeding that inside voice. But when we can recognize that that voice is often the voice of fear and that fear is flat out a liar. It's a liar. Mm-hmm. It is a liar, plain and simple we can begin to dismantle some of the things the voice is saying. Yes. And that's really, really critical. We don't just, we can't just negate fear. We can't tell fear, shut up, stop talking. You know, we can't, uh, we can't ignore fear. We have to be able to look at it, you know, look at it square in the eyes and say, I hear you, but I do not believe you. Yes. That's so powerful run my life. Yes. Yes. Cause it's never going to stop talking. Like I right. think people think, oh, oh, at a certain point, once I quote unquote conquer this, it will stop. No, it's just, you, you hear it and you no longer believe it. That's, that's the best way I've ever heard it phrased. And, you know, we, again, we know getting unstuck is possible. So many people stay stuck and the, my heart breaks for those, because I, I've, I mean, we, you've been stuck. I've been, we've all been stuck for a period of time. I am committed to not staying stuck for a long period of time, but some people stay that way their entire lives and, and die with unfulfilled dreams. I mean, just a graveyard of unfulfilled dreams. I don't want that to be my story or any of my listeners story. So I like the, uh, well, I don't like it maybe, but I, I um, appreciated the concept of the empowerment gap. Can you walk us through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this this comes out of some research that I did back in 2015. Um, you know, after I had left corporate America, and everybody came—not everybody, but so many people came to me and they said, "Oh my God, you're so you're so brave! I just love that you did this. You you left. You didn't have a plan B. Uh, you leapt. You're just so strong and brave. And I wish I could do that." And I remembered thinking, "Brave? I was." I was desperate. I wasn't at all brave. I was just backed into such a corner. I didn't know what else to do. And so that really got me wanting to understand better why it is that we will, we as a species tend to stay stuck, stay in these situations that we don't like when ostensibly we could just make another choice. And so I put this survey out in the field and I asked several hundred people. It was, it was very simple, just eight simple questions. And if anybody's mm-hmm. curious, they can, they can, uh, find those questions on my website and ask them of themselves. But within that, there was a question about fear. 
And in the multiple choice, the responses to the multiple choice answers revealed what you just referred to, which is what I call the empowerment gap. Mm -hmm. The, the survey responses showed that about six out of 10 people said they knew something needed to change. And then about four out of 10 people said they were ready to change. But the number of people who reported feeling empowered to change, that number fell all the way off. It was so sad. It was down to 14%. So you've got six out of 10 say, I'm ready. Or or say, I know something needs to change. Four out of 10, I'm ready. But only 14% saying they felt empowered to change. Now, if there's any... If there's any bit of silver lining that that has come with COVID, I did put that survey back in the field in 2021. So mm-hmm. we were in the second year of COVID. It was in the summer as people were starting to sort of venture, you know, back out again into their lives. That uh, that number on that question of how many people felt empowered to change I was really gratified to see that that shot up. It was, I was going to ask if COVID had an impact on, on this. Oh yeah. 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 So that it was closer to 40% of people and that marked a huge shift. I mean, granted, this was very unscientific research, more, you know, more qualitative than quantitative, Mm -hmm. but, um, that spoke volumes to me about where people, you know, kind of, kind of where our collective mindset is coming out of this time of feeling like we've been completely choiceless, right? Almost like the world has been happening to us and we've had no choice, but to just kind of say, you know, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll withstand as much as I can. It is really gratifying to see people now putting more emphasis on their own mental health and well-being and their own their personal needs, their family's needs, that that to me is what has helped that empowerment gap close a little bit. That's amazing. That's, that's, I, I was, I wondered, cause you know, COVID was so, it was a lot of terrible things, but if it did do anything positive, it was, we all realized that life is perilously short and, and shorter than we even think it is. And if we're going to live this life we want, we, we probably shouldn't wait because we don't, we never know. And, um, I, as we begin to wrap up our time together, which I just, I just, this book is just so good. And I just could talk to you forever, but, um, you need to do a podcast. I I'm, I'm putting that out in the universe right now that that needs to happen. I would be your biggest fan and just, oh my gosh, amazing. But I want to quote you again, any failure to live up to someone else's expectation of you is a disappointment from which they will recover. But failure to live up to your own is a desertion of your very soul. And as a reformed people pleaser, you're right. People get over it. When you say no, they'll be okay. But if you deny yourself your own expectations and what you want out of this life, that is the ultimate betrayal. So why is it that when we choose to get unstuck and live our best lives, really, and I think you'd agree with me at its core, we're honoring ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, 
we have not been taught to honor ourselves. We have been taught, you know, here in, um, you know, I'm going to overgeneralize greatly here in the West, here in a largely Christian society, in mm -hmm. a largely patriarchal society, you know, we have been taught to honor thy father and thy mother. We have been taught to honor authority. We have been taught to uh, take orders and reserve our questions for the privacy of our own minds. And I don't think that's a workable solution. What, what that does is that produces a lot of followers and not enough people who are leading from their souls. And I swear what we need more than anything else is for people to bring forth all of their gifts and all of their talents and all of their unique expressions of themselves without worry about how they will be received or perceived. We just need to be the people we've been intended to be. And that doesn't mean that we are walking, talking revenue generators and order takers and uh, you name it. We are here to live. We are yeah. truly here to live. And now that definition of what that means to live can look very different for each one of us. And that's okay. That's why we're all entitled to have a unique set of values and priorities. But we've got to bring forth the most special, unique parts of us mm -hmm. in order to make the best contributions to the world that we can. Well, you're so right. I mean, it's honor thy mother, honor thy father, honor thy spouse, honor thy children, honor thy authority. Where, but not ever are we taught, what do you want to do? Right. You know, what do you want out of this life? Right. And I think that is the, that is the question here. And, yeah. and that is the question in the book is what, not only what do you want, but what do you not want? And yeah. it's, it's just so good. Again, could talk to you forever, but my last question for you is, what do you hope readers take away from the book? You know, I think more than anything, I hope they take away uh, what you opened with, which is what I refer to as my motto, which is the idea that we all have choices. We just have to be brave enough to make them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the beautiful part is we can start creating or recreating or recreating for the thousandth time our best as many life. times as we want. That's right. You get, a, you get unlimited drafts until you get it right. <laughs> Amen. And we can start today and we can start right now, this minute. I think this book will help so many people. And I thank you for writing it. The book is You Are Not Stuck, How Soul Guided Choices transform fear into freedom. It's out now. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Becky, both on air and off air through our respective coughing fits, which listeners be glad you missed both of those. You were an absolute delight and I am so happy to know you now even if you did go to Mizzou. We'll overlook that in Rock Chalk Jayhawk. You Are Not Stuck, How Soul Guided Choices Transform Fear into Freedom is out right now. Go grab a copy. You will not regret that purchase. We'll be back at the top of next week with ESPN superstar Stephen A. Smith. 
I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Have a great weekend.